It's all things MMA. My name is Ken McGuire. We're back on air as we do every Saturday uh, or a little bit earlier in the week if you're listening to the podcast side of things. Uh, for the purposes of video, joined at the bottom of the screen uh, by Team Ryan Kilkenny head coach Mr. Miles Price. And in the top left of the screen, uh, from the comfort of his uh, lovely, well decorated uh, home studio, uh, is uh, Pat Ivoli. Uh, Pat, uh, how are things? How are you? I'm good. I'm in my kitchen. I think people are impressed with the blue wall in the kitchen, but uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm delighted to get to catch up with you guys. So, um, yeah, all is good in the world. Just trying to look after myself. Pat, the the last time we spoke, um, I, I know you you do a lot of podcasting side of things. I do a lot of podcasting side of things. I think the last in person podcast that I did was. Uh, last March. Uh, Myself, yourself, Andy Murphy, we were sat on the couch in Urban Gym. Things were very different. You were getting ready for a big talk in in Wexford that night. Uh, And almost 12 months on, here we are. The world has changed to Zoom and and training has changed to Zoom. Uh, BJJ has has kind of gone out the window. We'll touch on that in a second. But how how have things for you been? Uh, How have things maybe changed for you over the last 12 months, give or take? Uh, it's been interesting, of course. Same as everyone, I think the emotional roller coaster, the ups and downs, the having to pivot. Um, I had a couple of big talks coming up as Corona kind of came into effect, so there was a couple of hundred refunds to go out, which was difficult as a small business, but just brought it online. And um, you know, my big thing—I know it's beat to death—but this idea of control the controllables, uh, I just keep coming back to that. So, what's in my control is my actions and my thoughts. Everything else is outside of my control. So, I can't control what the government does. I can't control what this virus does. I can't control what other people do. So, I just really try to come home to that, and I've just taken it as a year of uh, forced growth in many ways. It's, it's forced me to slow down. It's forced me to um, sit with parts of myself that are difficult, like loneliness or isolation or, or, you know, the challenging parts of, of myself that I was able to run away from. So it's been a really good year. There's been obviously stuff that I've missed and things that have been difficult, but all in all, I'm grateful for, you know, what's been an interesting year. And luckily I've been able to support a lot of people I feel through my programs and stuff, which has felt really good. Uh, and through the podcast and yeah, I've kind of looked to embrace uncertainty in my life over the last 10 years. And so when this came along, it wasn't anything majorly different. Mm. Um, you know, I sympathize for people that have lost businesses and jobs and, and, and everything else. Um, for me, I, I've been fortunate. I mean, I've, I've just done my best, I guess. And yeah. Keep, keeping things going. D- difficult, difficult to adjust or difficult to come to terms with some of it? Um. No, look, I'm not good at a lot of things, but I think I'm good at accepting reality and reality just kind of came and it was what it was and there was no point, you know, fighting with reality. So it just kind of had to be a case of, again, what's in my control, what's not. Um, I miss my jujitsu. I miss my travel. There was a lot of traveling happening for the last couple of years. I miss being in person with people for talks. Um, I miss my friends. You know, I miss lots of things. Mm -hmm. Um, But equally, it's just kind of been a case of one of the things I told myself last year was if I could fast forward to when all this is over, how would I ho- have hoped I'd look back on it as to how I showed up? And I said, I hope I would have been compassionate to myself and others. I hope I would have um, not become a victim to my circumstances. I hope I would have looked after myself. I hoped I would have. And I feel like I've done all those things. So I've kind of done as best I can. And, um, you know, I'm proud of that just for myself because it's difficult when the, when the world throws muck at you for all of us, it, it's challenging. Um, but again, I recognize that uncertainty is a huge part of life. And even when Corona has gone, there's going to be something else for the rest of our lives, which is in one way, it seems like a defeatist attitude, but I think it's actually an empowering attitude to think that 
I'll be challenged forever. Uh, and my, my capacity to handle that challenge comes down to how well I look after myself, like true self-care. I'm talking a lot about true self-care at the moment. People are talking about lighting a candle and taking a bath and that being self-care. I'm saying, no, self-care is the way that you talk to yourself and the way that you navigate your difficult emotions. That's what it is. So again, lots of external challenge, but that brings us home to ourselves. And it's kind of like, okay, I have to be with, you know, uncertainty here. How do I create inner certainty? I think that's key. I think that in, in, in regards to, to the pandemic and everything that everybody, society as a whole, has gone through. Um, I was doing actually a, an app I love going to every day, actually. I don't know if you've heard of, but he's a neuroscientist and philosopher, Sam Harris. He has an app called Waking Up App. Um, yeah. Absolutely love the content in there. I do the daily meditations, etc. But he has a new section called the Stoic Path. And in that, there's a, there's a section for finding silver linings and i feel like that you know finding a silver lining in the difficult times right now is is important like you know and being self-compassionate as you said to yourself and being compassionate to others i feel like that that's probably would you agree like a big part of what's going on right now pat yeah um you know my big message um and, and when i say big message the the thing that i try to pay attention to in my own life tends to be my big message so it's never to preach or tell anyone what they should be doing it's just kind of where my attention is and hopefully by sharing it it'll resonate with some people but i try to encourage people to think about there's two things that happen there's the external trigger and then there's the internal trigger and by recognizing the difference between the two that's where our freedom is so the external trigger is i go for a job interview and i don't get the job and then the internal triggers, the story I tell myself about what, what that means. And that's everything. Like I could tell myself I've been rejected by the, by the person that was giving the interview and I'm not going to feel good about myself. Or I could tell myself, oh, you know, there's an opportunity here. I see a gap. I've got some more experience. So I think if we can start doing that every time we're stressed, every time we're overwhelmed, every time we're worried, every time we quote unquote fail, you say what's actually happened as in what would a camera see? A camera doesn't have emotions. So a camera saw me lose a fight. Um, but then internally, what have I told myself about what's just happened? I've told myself I'm not good enough. I told myself I don't have value or I've told myself back to the drawing board. This is a great opportunity to to move on. So yeah, I think that that's, that's part of stoicism. I think that idea of just taking a step back and separating between I'm not my thoughts. The thoughts are happening all the time and the thoughts are not the problem. It's the energy that we give to the thoughts as in we could think here. I wonder what it would be like to be a dinosaur. And like, that's just a stupid thought that comes and goes and it's gone now. However, if there's a thought of I'm not good enough and I latch onto that and I give it lots of energy, that's when it becomes an issue. So I think separating this, the actual reality from the story you're telling yourself is important because when I recognize the story I'm telling myself, I can challenge the story, you know? So again, if the, the story is I've been rejected from a job interview that I went for and I start challenging that, I can f find evidence that goes against it. And uh, hopefully that makes sense. In in that in in that way, does do you think that sometimes we're just being too hard on ourselves? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. We are. <laughs> you know, do you know what? Actually, I heard something. I thought it was nice. It said, "You should be hard on yourself, but you, sh you shouldn't be down on yourself." And I think that's a nice way of looking at it. You should be hard on yourself, but not down on yourself. You should have expectations on yourself because mm. you've one life to live, and so you should give yourself the chance to go and do things and to go and do things that you're excited by. You know, we, we've all had that experience. We've achieved things in our lives and we had to work for those things. And, you know, um, what people see as a, as a result in the real world 
they don't see the work that went into it. So we think Miles' big fights and, and you know, uh, being as good as he is on the mats, there's a lot of work that went in behind the scenes. So he had to be hard on himself, but hopefully not down on himself. So I think I think that's the key. We're definitely hard on ourselves. Part of that is our brain. I mean, we've got this, uh, you know, old-fashioned brain that, that is looking for threats all the time. That's how the brain operates. We've got that negativity bias that always looks for what's wrong, what's missing, what's lacking. A hundred people say something nice to you. One person says something negative. Where does their attention go? And so, I mean, the brain is trying to protect us. I always tell people that your limiting beliefs that you've called limiting beliefs are really just protective beliefs. Like the story that I've got about, I shouldn't stand up on stage because if people might laugh at me, I can say that's a negative voice, or I could look at it and say, I wonder what that's trying to protect me from. Oh, it's trying to protect me from judgment. Okay, that makes sense. It's actually trying to help me, but I don't need to listen to it. So again, that's just slowing things down, recognizing the thoughts, but we're definitely too hard on ourselves. That's down to comparison with other people that we're looking at on phones. That's uh, down to, again, the negativity bias. That's down to unrealistic expectations built on a society that's selling you know, false illusions as to what we need to be happy. I think that's been a great lesson for us all in the last year. We don't need as much as we thought we needed. Life is a lot simpler now, at least that's been my experience. Get in the sea for a little dip, you know, do a bit of meditation, catch up with some friends over the phone, whatever. <laughs> have have your, with that said, have your goals changed over the last year? Has your mindset changed over the last year in, in, in realizing that, okay, you, you don't need, you don't need everything. We're, a lot of us seem to be doing a lot better off for ourselves with with less um i mean i think i i think everything i'm doing i came to a couple of years ago i mean slowing down meditating more looking after myself journaling all this stuff has been done for a couple of years but i would say it's just deepened over the last year like Mm -hmm. as much as i cut out a lot of the rubbish in my life i still look back a year ago and i think i was doing a bit too much a year ago there was no need to be in the car as much as I was. There was no need to be running around like a lunatic. There was no need to be going on as many trips abroad. There was no need to be running as many courses. Um, so I would say, you know, it's not been a drastic shift in terms of my lifestyle over the last year, but it's definitely refined a bit more. Um, you know, I spoke to a friend recently, he's a bit of a mentor, Jeff Thompson, incredible guy. Miles might know him from the martial arts uh, space. He he was a martial artist for years and a, a doorman on the, the Coventry uh, nightclub scene back in the eighties, violent man. And uh, oh, I think he had a, he had a book, didn't he, Pat? Sorry for interrupting you. Was the, no, he had, yeah. yeah, he had he had a he had a he had a famous book called Watch My Back, but he's written fifty books since, That's so right. completely turned his life around. <laughs> but I was I was speaking to Jeff, and Jeff said like one of the secrets for us all is just to start removing all the stuff that gets in the way until you're down to a point where your life is very much made up of the things that you love to do. So he was telling me he had five houses at one point and all this stuff. And now he's down to living in a one bedroom apartment on his own or with his partner, sorry. And he just writes all day because his passion is writing. So it's probably something for us all in that accumulation is not making us happy. It didn't make us happy before. We'll be more stuff than ever before, but more depression than ever before, because the more you have, the more you stand to lose. So again, back to basics, I think, um, which looks different for us all. I feel as well that something I was actually reading up the last day as well was um, it's really interesting how you bring up about um, our kind of old way of thinking, our old mechanics of uh, like the reptilian brain looking out for threats all the time in order to protect us in everyday life, even to this day. Mm-hmm. And it's it's always the forefront of our thinking. You know, it's it's the it's the first thing that comes, it pattern matches threats and first thing that comes to the forefront of our brain is like, you know, emotion, you know, and I feel like that back then, the from just from the article I was reading, I thought it was very interesting. And I recently read Sapiens as well, which I thought was very interesting how our 
our um, threats back then came and went very mm. quickly. Yeah. Whereas in an every everyday life now, because of financial stress, um, expectations from society, just the busy hustle and bustle of everyday society, there's threats in every single corner. And, you know, everywhere we turn, there's a threat. So being self-compassionate and having more self-care, like you're pointing out, is so important to kind of reset on a more regular basis because that is, it's it's not an individual's, it's not down to the individual, it's part of us all, that mechanics, you know, and it has to be nurtured, I feel. Absolutely. And I think this awareness that that's actually what's happening gives us an opportunity to do something with it. It's a bit like the doctor says, you're right, you're sick, you haven't been eating well. Now they've told you something and you're like, okay, I have a choice now what to do. So when we become aware that we're in this chronic fight or flight response and we're constantly under threat, whether we we, we, we were aware or not, now we become aware, oh, I feel anxious, I feel stressed. Um, in theory, we've got this, you know, stress cycle or, or sleep cycle, the circadian rhythm where your cortisol and your stress comes up in the morning to get you up and get you moving. So it's not, you know, it's not a problem in itself. It's actually something we need, but it should even off during the day and then start coming down so we can drop off at night and go back to sleep. And we just live in this cycle, but now bright screens, too much coffee. Um, again, the stresses that you mentioned, Miles, uh, uh, and all this stuff. And the lack of social connection. I think social connection is important because when we're in a tribe, we feel safe and secure on some level. But when we don't have people around us, we feel, you know, lonely and isolated. So all these things put us in the fight or flight response. The analogy I use is um, fight or flight response is like putting your foot on the accelerator of a car. And if I've always got my foot on the accelerator, it gets faster and faster and faster. I feel more and more out of control. And so the other side of the, the, the um, central nervous system is parasympathetic, which is rest and digest. That's where, you know, we think about fight or flight. If I'm trying to fight a, a hypothetical tiger, um, you know, uh, my, my um, all other functions become secondary. They don't matter anymore. And, you know, my appetite disappears, my sex drive disappears, all these other things don't matter because I just need to fight for survival. But then if, the, you know, my colleagues and work are driving me daft, I mean, that same response as imagine fighting the tiger. Um, so rest and digest is the flip side of the coin. Can I send a signal to my body and my mind that I'm relaxed and I'm at peace? And the fastest way of doing that is through the breath. So I just tell people, breathe in through your nose for a couple of seconds and double up on the exhale. So twice as long on your exhale. That's how you send a signal. Um, that's how you put your foot on the brake. That's how you slow down the car. That's how you slow down the mind. And that's how you take back a bit of control. I talk a lot, mm. boys. Sorry. You know I'm stuck in the house on my own for a while. <laughs> um, I feel like I feel like relating that to even guys that are, or even myself, just when I'm in uh, a fight camp or whatever, or a competition, or one of my teammates are competing, or athletes in general, the importance of sympathetic and parasympathetic states and trying to find the fine balance because um fighters and i was myself for years very hard on myself you know and um through actually finding more self-compassion uh, and understanding neuroscience and the neur nervous system etc how important it actually is for performance to be in a parasympathetic state now that's not just for athletes of course that's just for everyday living as you were saying it's so important to understand that process and it just gives you a deeper understanding doesn't it of uh, how important that is to find who you are authentically mm -hmm. and that'll just bleed in time onto everything in your life every aspect of your life there's um 
there's a quote that we often throw at people if we think they're daft and we'll say that guy's out of his mind. And I put it to people that if we think about our mind as being, we're in our mind when we're in rest and digest, we can be creative, we can be logical. But then when we drop out of rest and digest and fall into fight or flight, we're back in, back in the reptilian brain. So we really are out of our mind. So it's kind of like, you know, uh, when people come to a seminar or people come to the gym and they feel motivated and they're relaxed and they feel great. No, oh, this is going to be great. And everything's fine and they, they can be creative. They can be logical. I'm going to do my food shop and I'm going to do this and this is going to be great. I'm so motivated. And then they go home and their partner throws the eyes up to heaven and says, oh, another, another meal plan. Here we go. And suddenly they fall into reptilian brain because that's a threat. And suddenly they're reactive and they're reaching for a glass of wine. And before they even realize what they've done, their brain has ran the show. So, you know, the biggest tool of all, I, I guess, is the breath. You know, the breath just tells us everything because, again, you watch a professional fighter or watch any kind of athlete who's under pressure. They're breathing into their chest. They're breathing fast. They're breathing through the mouth. The mouth is wide open. You know, they're, you know they're under threat then because they're exhausted and fatigued. And um, mouth breathing is a disaster. Whereas you watch a baby who doesn't need a therapist, doesn't need any, you know, stress management classes. They breathe through their nose. They breathe into their belly, nice and deep, nice and slow, nice and relaxed. Everything's okay. Um, so it might sound overly simple, but I've really been pushing people to think about their breath over the last year and just doubling up in the exhale, breathing through the nose, filling the belly. And it, it does make an impact. So oftentimes they tell us to take a deep breath and we go, <laughs> and like barely gets in the lungs, you know? So it's, it's nose, nasal breathing is huge. If you were to apply that to a sporting setting, Pat, and we've, we've seen, like we know the likes of uh, GAA is not back until Easter at the earliest. Uh, the gym has been closed, so MMA and boxing and BJJ is all out the window. Majority of sports, bar the elite side of things, have have been shut down. And and knowing that you were, knowing that we were going to be having a chat you today, we'd put it around the office. There's lads that are interested. They go out running. They go out this. They're they're missing competition. They're missing having they're missing having a, a, a target to, to work towards the lads that do the marathons are like well sure I don't know when I'm going to get to do a marathon again sure what am I doing I don't 5k I can do it around my house but I can't do anything kind of more than that if you were to if you were to take those those practices and apply it to people who may be uh Maybe maybe in that situation it's kinda of like going back, I was like, Oh, here's here's your here's your meal plan again and here's somebody else going you know, that they're they're missing that goal, they're missing that drive, or they're struggling mentally to keep that kind of training and keep that edge ticking over. What what could you say to that? Yeah, it's difficult. I think it comes back to journaling again. I'm huge on journaling because to me that's a conversation with yourself where you can get the noise in your head and actually start disputing it. The way I put it to people is uh, if I have something that happens to me that's stressful, it's a bit like watching them film a TV show. Um, it's quite bland. It's quite boring to watch a TV show being filmed, but then it goes into post-production and they add special effects and close-ups and dramatic music. And suddenly it's very emotional. And in the same way, something might happen to me, my marathon gets canceled. And in itself, it's not really all that big a deal. But if it lives in my head too long, I add dramatic music, I add close-ups, it feels a lot more emotional than it is. So to me, getting pen and paper and starting to look at, right, what are the opportunities here? What are the lessons here? Um, there's a strategy I use, hopefully this won't take too long to explain, but there's a strategy I use called ABCD. It's from cognitive behavioral therapy, really, really useful. ABCD is about taking something that you deem stressful and sort of dissecting it a bit. So I'll give you a really quick example. A stands for activating event. So let's say I go for lunch with a friend in normal times and they turn up 20 minutes late. 
So that's what's happened. Um, activating event A. Uh, B is my belief. So it's a story I tell myself about the situation. So generally we jump to a conclusion. So when my friend turns up late by 20 minutes, maybe my belief is my friend doesn't respect my time. And so you know, that's going to lead me to showing up in a certain way. So activating events, what's happened could be the marathon got canceled. B is the belief. What's the story I'm telling myself? All my training has been for nothing. And then you go to C, which is the consequences. So you start looking at what happens when I believe that thought. I feel stressed. I feel anxious. I feel out of control. I feel like reaching for a bottle of wine. I feel like sacking in the training altogether. I feel like whatever it is. And then the final bit is D. Can I dispute can I take the belief that I have? So again, the marathon gets canceled. The belief in the story I'm telling myself is I've wasted all my time training. How can I dispute that? Well, training has been good for my mental health. It's allowed me to stay in touch with a social group. I feel fitter than I've felt in a while. I've kind of ticked away. Okay, the marathon's canceled, but when it does come around, I'll be even more prepared. And so you just, it gives you that little bit of space. It doesn't make everything perfect, but it gives you context because when we're stressed, our focus always goes to two things. It goes to what's outside of our control and it goes to what's lacking or missing. So if you can come back to what's within my control mm -hmm. and what's left, um, that can be useful. And this is not about toxic positivity in the sense of like something bad happens and I'm immediately trying to be grateful for everything that's happening. It's just recognizing you can be two things. Like I can be sad that jujitsu is gone, but also grateful that I live beside the sea. You can hold both things at once. I think it's when we narrow our attention only on what's missing uh, that we start to feel like life is, you know, not being too kind to us. Has has the has the dip in the sea filled the gap from from the BJJ side of things? I mean, for 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 somebody, sorry, for somebody who's who's practiced it uh, uh, quite a lot and has started worked their way up. You're you were at your you were just after picking up your purple belt side of things when we spoke last year, uh, and knowing how much you you train and then get to train when you're when you're traveling for for somebody who's really into the BJJ side of things to have that whipped away from you. Um, it's it's a big void to fill. I I think. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's it, there's an important point in that beyond the BJJ. Like if if you have something that's a big part of your life and it gets taken away, unless we consciously try to fill that space, oftentimes we create chaos. You know, people start you know drinking too much or gambling or whatever it might be. This is one of the things that we don't see as a gift of having a hobby or having a, you know, I think we talked about this on the podcast last year, the mm. importance of as you get a bit older, you know, work and family takes over and obviously they're huge priorities, but I think you need to be a priority in your own life, whether it's art classes or music classes or picking up the guitar or whatever you do. Because again, I think when that's not there, you kind of drift into these, you create chaos in your life in some capacity. That's been my experience at least. So, you know, if I had yanked the jujitsu out and not put anything else in its place and being conscious about that, I would have been tipping away having a few beers every night and it would have crept up on me. Like that's the reality. I think you have to have things that inspire you and excite you in your life. Cause if you don't, there's a gap there. Like there's a void, there's an internal void. Uh, Russell Brand said once that, um, there's never a material solution to a spiritual problem. And you talk about spirituality with jujitsu, but jujitsu gives you connection to yourself, connection to others. It gives you personal growth. It gives you lots of spiritual benefits. So if you take that away and there's a void internally, that can't be filled with alcohol or gambling or, you know, whatever it might be. So I go roundabout with all your questions, but uh, I, I, I have had to, you know, I haven't been able to replace it directly, but I have consciously kind of said, right, that's a big part of my life that's missing for the last year. What else am I doing instead? Uh, and it's been meditation and, and, and sea swimming has been the closest I've been able to come. I, I, I feel like, it, sorry, Ken. No, 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 I was just going to say, I, I presume you'll be back to it as soon as, as soon as people can get back to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We're due a couple of roles, Pat. 
I can't wait. Uh, well, I think I can't wait. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. I have, been on the re- I have been on the receiving end of many of those roles and they're not pretty. Ah, it's just... It's, I don't know now, now, all right? <laughs> it's a bit rusty. <laughs> well, look, I'm going to be struggling to, I don't know, tie the belt, but um, I, I I, haven't felt like life has taken anything away from me. It's actually just made me more grateful for the things that are gone. I, like, I haven't had any resentment toward the fact that jiu-jitsu is gone. I don't know, is that strange? But I just really appreciate that I got to train for the last three years and that someday I'll get to train again. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, I recognize that any time spent feeling like a victim is, is taking me away from myself and I don't really want to do that. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to get back on the mats. And in regards, just to going back a little bit to <clears throat> journaling again, Pat, because I, I feel like journaling is probably uh, meditation and journaling, I feel are two very strong practices for me. And uh, I feel like that, um, you know, that's a really interesting concept, the ABCD one you have there. And uh, would you recommend any other type of journaling that you turn to uh, just that you'd favor? Yeah, there's something I'm doing at the moment as I'm finding really good is um, working with different sub-personalities or different parts of myself. Um, so what I mean by that is um, I think we're all the same. There's days where you think you can take on the world and then there's days where making a cup of coffee is a struggle and you don't want to get out of bed. And so I've kind of come to the idea that there's different personalities in my head. Um, there's the inner critic, there's the procrastinator, there's the uh the pessimist there's the mind reader who doesn't communicate externally tries to come up with what the other person's thinking um there's the fixer i call the fixer the part of me that when i feel sad or i feel emotional the fixer wants to go and do something to get away from the emotion as quick as possible so what i try to do is like recognize when i do dumb stuff in my life like when i fall off track when i fall off course when i feel i let myself down i try to get curious about that and i'm like who was showing up in that scenario um, so again, if it's that I spend the day on social media and I feel kind of bad today, I'll be like, who is that character? I'll be like, that's the spectator, the spectator in my life that wants to watch life rather than live life. And I'll, I'll, I'll write to those characters and I'll try to understand them. I might say to the spectator, what are you trying to do? Like, what's your role in my life? You know, I know you're trying to protect me mm. in some way. Cause again, all the, the inner critic, what are you trying to do? How are you trying to support me? Um, and the inner critic might say, well, Pat, when you put yourself out there on social media, I know you're up, up for judgment and I don't want to put you in that judgment. And by understanding these different characters, suddenly when the procrastinator comes up, I can say, I know what you're trying to do, but let's, you know, you can get in the car, but you're not driving the car, take a back seat. And that's helped me to understand myself in a better way. Um, other practices, simple things. I, I was, you know, I, I, I do AM and PM prompts. So I have a couple of questions I ask myself in the morning, a couple of questions in the evening. The idea with that is they say we have 60 to 90,000 thoughts a day and 95% are the same as yesterday. I don't know how they count them, but that's kind of what they've come up with. 60 to 90,000, <laughs> 95% the same as yesterday. So I always put it to people that we're not really thinking, we're just remembering. Um, so if I had a bad day yesterday, I'm remembering what happened yesterday and it drags into the next day. So when we ask ourselves questions every morning, it kind of puts a fresh spin on things, you know, simple questions. What's three things that are really important for me to get done today? Who can I reach out to and acknowledge today? What am I grateful for today is, is a very common one. Um, again, if, if I'm pursuing MMA or jiu-jitsu, what's one thing I can do to further my progression in the sport today? And again, you have to focus with those questions on what's there as opposed to what's lacking. Because if I ask the question, what can I do to improve my jiu-jitsu game today? I can't have an answer of, well, I can't train because that's not what the question was. The question was, what can you do to improve things? So maybe I can do a strength and conditioning workout or something like that. Um, 
Miles, did you ever see uh, Bass Rutan's audio um, workout? He's got no, I did. I did not do what I did. <laughs> you doing that at the moment? Actually, come to think of it, yeah. I remember back in the day, years ago, somebody put me through that, and I thought it was absolutely hilarious. I loved it. It was great. It's just, is this just like Baz Rutan just shouting obscenities at you? Yeah, yeah. So ba- yeah. Baz Rutan goes, he just, he just calls out combinations, like two, two, and a right straight. He's like sprawl. Yeah. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, he'd make a great commentator <laughs> over voice for Street Fighter or something, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Four, jab, jab. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, that's old school, that. Oh, my God. Uh, Pat, before, before we, before we um, run out of time and, and knock things on the head for today, you've, you've got a couple of things that are coming up between the, the, the tail end of this month uh, and for next month. The online courses are continuing. What's, what's pause and reflect at home about? That's, that's kind of the end of February. Um, pause and reflect at home is a three-hour kind of mini retreat that you can do from home. I've really been getting into meditation. I've done my meditation teacher training and stuff like that. And um, it's really what we talked about with that kind of two parts of the nervous system. We're all in this chronic fight or flight and I'm encouraging people, can we take three hours for ourselves, learn a couple of simple practices, do them real time so you can get into that rest and digest and just create a bit of space for yourself. It's like going to a mini yoga retreat with no yoga. <laughs> That's not a really good example. But um, kind of, a lot of what we talked about today, I'll, I'll give you simple practices and ideas. Um, and ju- ju- it's just consciously choosing, you know, I'm going to look after myself for a couple hours and, and, you know, maybe get the kids to go for a run for three hours or get them to get out of the house or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. It's just creating the space for people, hopefully sharing some tools. And, um, there's also a free 14 day journaling course over on my site that'll give lots of journaling prompts and ideas and, um, yeah, focus on the breath, focus on pen and paper. And I think it's really useful tools for ourselves. It's all about coming back to ourselves. I just wanted to bring up one thing, actually, Pat, before mm. we move on from the journaling. And I feel like this was a a big game changer for me of uh, understanding context of why we journal. And uh, I feel like sometimes when people hear first about journaling, they're a little bit standoff offish about it because it is threatening to to you know people that haven't if you haven't journaled before mm. to feel threatened about journaling about your feelings mm. okay so i feel like what really was the game changer for me when i was getting into journaling and trying to find um why what was the context behind doing it i feel like um uh the idea of building self-observation but even further into that building metacognition where you're the thinking of thinking or the knowing of knowing or the cognition of the cognition, you know? So you're building this kind of like um, almost sky view of the clouds, which would be your thoughts that are ever passing, you know? And, and that's what you're have looking to build. And it does take faith to understand that, you know, there is back steps sometimes two or three back to take three or four forward, but that's ultimately what you're looking to, to achieve when you're journaling, you know, it's, it's building over time, self-compassion and metacognition to further understand who you are. You know, w- would you agree with that? hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, yeah. I, you know, I try to, I don't want people to feel like, Oh, I have to do all these things now. I'd like people to be excited or just and think, Oh, this is something I could try. And hopefully there's something in it. Maybe there's not, but again, it's free. It just takes a little bit of time. The way I put it to people is, you know, if you, if you had a friend and you never took time for them, 
and you were always on your phone around them and you never asked them new questions, that friendship would die out pretty quickly. But then for ourselves, we tend to be in technology all the time. We don't take a lot of time for ourselves because everyone else comes first. And we maybe don't ask ourselves new questions. In other words, we don't have new conversations. So most of it's remembering. So I think it creates that space. Um, they see your patterns because we're all living in patterns. Um, one simple journaling prompt maybe to, to close on that might be useful for people. Um, I, I encourage people to look at three things you're really proud of that you've accomplished in your life and three things that you've struggled with in your life. And then kind of ask, what can I learn from those experiences? So I might say, I've struggled with weight loss all my life. What can I learn from that? I always try to take on too much. I've never sought out support. I really don't like going to the gym. There's patterns there. Um, then maybe I look at where am I really proud of? I'm proud of... Um, I don't know, I learned, I learned Spanish and I'm proud of that. Okay, what, what was happening there that made that easy? I had a coach, um, I made it fun, I watched TV shows. You can take the stuff you struggle with and the stuff that you're really good at, reflect on it, take the wisdom from it, and then start putting that stuff together. So I get a coach here because I have a coach here and that works. And, and that's one simple example. On that note, uh, we're just up against time. Pat, if people are looking to sign up uh, for the 14-day journaling side of things, I know you've got a big 30-day challenge as well that's coming up in uh, in March or to find out more information on the courses, where where best to point people to? Uh, com. There's, there's a section there that has... Um the free journaling course and also meditate with me there's an app called inside timer i've got a lot of meditations up there so there's a lot of resources people can just reach out and i'm happy to point them in the direction of, of the free stuff first and they can see if they give them give them the free stuff first try, try and they'll come back for more yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah yeah you have that and 190 episodes of your podcast as well to to enjoy on all podcast platforms uh, this is being all uh, this has been i should say all things mma uh, on casey or you can catch up uh, online on all good platforms and scoreline.ie and of course every saturday as part of scoreline live on casey or i've been ken mcguire on the bottom he's been miles price this has been pat Dively, and we will do this all again next week good luck 